0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap. Come on. There's, there's really nothing worse than a golf clap. You know, it has been fun to see these precious children all week. And, um, and I'll say it again. Thank you. We're not a perfect church um, by any stretch. We've got problems like every church I know. But people ask me all the time, what kind of church are you? And and I, I say it all the time. We're we're a church who believes God's word, the Bible, to be our authority. And, and we want to do everything we can to, to live up to that. We, we believe if you believe that, then Jesus is a big deal and you got to make a big deal about Jesus and all that we do, we want to honor him. And if you do that, then he taught us that we're to love God and we're supposed to love other people. And the greatest way to love other people is to serve them both here and around the world. And So when people say, what kind of church are you? We're we're a church that believes in the Bible. We're a church that wants to honor Jesus. We're a church that wants to serve people in need. And so welcome to Sugar Hill Church. We're glad you're here and consider it home. Take your Bibles if you have them and find in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 1.7. It's the scripture verse our children have learned all week long. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And as I mentioned earlier, we taught the boys and girls that God didn't give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and self-control. And, you know, trying to unpack that and, and gather it, I, it's been interesting watching second, third, fourth, and fifth graders grasp that is a lot easier than us that have already grown into what we think is maturity because there's so many things that we have grown fearful of. We're, we're afraid of so many things. Psychologists have defined fears and anxieties this way, and I'll quote, What a person experiences when faced with an event that they cannot control or predict or that which seems threatening or dangerous, fear is a reaction to a perception of immediate danger that is characterized by a strong desire to escape the situation. You know, it's not fear that's a sin. Fear really isn't the problem. It's how we choose to manage it. Let's face it. We all are afraid of something. All of us are born with a set of instinctive fears. Some of us are afraid of falling. Some of us are afraid of the dark. Some of us are afraid of crabs. Some of us are afraid of falling on crabs in the dark. Some of us are afraid of speaking publicly, and most of us most certainly are afraid of the words, some assembly required. I mean, we're we're all afraid of something. Well, Romans 8.15 in the New Testament says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you strength power. He gave you love and he gave you self-control that you might conquer fear. In 1991, in the Gulf War, Iraq launched a series of missiles into Israel and hundreds of people died. And afterwards, they discovered that more than 80% of the people that died did not die because of the missile attack. They died from the fear and what happened to their heart in the fear of the missiles. Now, don't get me wrong, I believe missiles are something you ought to fear, but the fact is missiles are launched our way of fear day in and day out, and most of us are fearful of what is about to happen rather than what happened. And so we build fear up at times, I believe, in such a way that we literally just can't cope with it more than 366 times, depending on which version of the Bible you have, you find some version of the phrase, fear not, don't be afraid. Fear often comes, I think, when the risk is involved. When we have some element of risk involved, I think fear happens. What would happen if you knew you wouldn't fail? What would happen if you knew somebody wouldn't laugh at you? Then we start finding out what we're really afraid of. And the fact is, we all deal with fear. Too often, we aren't paying the price. The risk seems too great to jump out there, and so we're straddled and just… just we're, we're locked down and, and we're enslaved at times, I believe, to fear. There is, however, a price to pay for not taking a risk, for letting fear conquer you. You see, I believe pushing through fear is less frightening than living with the underlying fear that comes from the feeling of hopelessness. I believe the the, the willingness to run from fear is, that, that willingness turns into even a greater fear to the degree that we, we at some point finally just wave the white flag and we're done. I want you to consider the cost of living in fear. Number one, I believe we have this loss of self-worth. If you live in fear, you're never going to experience the potential that God has for you. You're never going to experience all that God desires for you. Too many of us never step out in faith, and consequently, we never experience walking on water because we aren't willing to take the risk. I think there are some of us who are afraid to step out and, and face our fears and the power of Christ and the power of God. We're fearful to do that because if we do, it's possible that that this is going to be difficult. It's possible that I'm I'm going to miss a boat, a loss of self-worth. All research suggests that self-esteem largely boils down to one issue. See, when you have a loss of self-worth, I mean, one big thing happens. When you face a difficult uh, problem, when you face a difficult situation, do you approach it? Do you take action? Do you face it head on or do you avoid it, wimp out and run the other way? You see, if, if loss of self-worth is one of those things that's caused by living in fear, then in essence it boils down to this. How much are you willing to trust God to move forward and face your fear? Because to wallow up and stay and do nothing will inevitably cost you everything. It's a loss of self-worth, but it's also a loss of destiny. I mean, you'll never be all God wants you to be. Think about it. God didn't build any of you to leave the house this morning and wallow in mediocrity. I mean, God built you to change the world. God built you to do something great with you. God didn't build you with anything less than the ability to achieve excellence in his power and his name. You say, well, Chuck, it's just little old me, but not to God. I mean, to God, you're more than just little old you. To God, you're more than just, hey, well, nobody really knows my name. I mean, think about it. God, a holy, righteous God who spoke this world into existence, when he created you, he said, wow, have I got a job for you. Wow, are you gonna be perfect for this? I mean, throughout Scripture, what we find is God overwhelmingly looks at your life and says, I want you to change this world, and in my power, you can do it. But what happens is our fear locks us down. We lose our self-worth. We lose our destiny. And before long, what happens is we wallow in mediocrity with this one concept. You know what? I guess it's it's just me. Oh, poor me. And all the while, God's saying, poor you, what? I built you to be a champion. Don't, don't settle for losing your self-worth and losing your destiny because you're fearful. God says, I didn't give you the spirit of fear. I gave you strength and I gave you love and I gave you self-control. But I also think we lose joy. We have this loss of joy in our life. I mean, there's no way around it. Fear is a joy killer. I mean, it just kind of sucks the life right out of your soul to the degree that there's nothing left. It, it just robs you of being able to have that joy. Those who are caught up in the grip of fear are playing the what-if game, and it seems to never stop. What if something bad happens? What if this doesn't work? What if I fail? What if, what if, what I what if? You know what I found? When we allow fear to replace faith, we've also allowed fear to replace the Father's rightful place in our heart. You see... God the Father longs to reign as King over your heart. He longs to be the King of your life. Remember, He's the one that didn't give you fear, but gave you power, the one who gave you love, and the one who gave you self-control. And every time that we say, but wait a minute, I'm gonna let fear control my life, what I'm really saying is, I'm not going to allow the Father to have his rightful place in my life. Every time we allow fear, to take over our life, we're saying, well, I'm not going to allow the faith in my God to to rule my life. So what inevitably we're saying is, I believe fear has more power than the Father. And let me ask you this question. Did fear create this world? No. Did fear send his only son to die for you? No. Did fear conquer this world? No. Did fear conquer the grave? No. Did fear conquer and go to heaven? No. You know what fear did? Fear robs you of all that joy. We have a loss of joy, but we also have a a loss of real intimacy. You know what I've discovered? That fear and hiding seem to go hand in hand. Too often, our biggest fear is that others might see the real me. You know, there's a fear there that says, you know, if if I show them how I really am, then they're going to realize that I'm two-faced. Okay, Let let me share this deep philosophical and theological truth. Are you ready? You are. Not me, Chuck. No, no, no. I'm the same everywhere. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Uh, when you were singing earlier about the name of Jesus, would you do that where you work? Well, now, Chuck, wait a minute. That's, that's a different part of my life. That's my work. No, no, no. God is either raining on your heart or he's not, but he's not going to reign there for a while and let you kick him out and put your boss there. You see, what happens is we don't have a true and real intimacy with God. What happens is we segment all of our life and we say, well, God, you're good on Sunday, but Tuesday morning in the boardroom, I don't need you to be God. I need to be God. Well, God, you're Lord overall. You're, you reign over my heart. But you know, when my grandson's down there at the ball field, I, re- I need him to be. Well, God, I, I know you reign over, over my heart and I, I know that you didn't give me fear. You gave me strength and love and you gave me self-control. But let's face it, battling this addiction I've got, I, th- I think I'm gonna take this route. And inevitably, we lose this intimacy with God. Do you remember what Adam said in the Garden of Eden? After Adam and Eve had messed up, here's what Adam said. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Did you know what? He didn't know he needed to hide and he didn't know he was naked until he had sinned against God. Let me ask you something. You know why we hide our sin? Because we're trying to hide it against a God who already knew that you committed it. And you see, what happens is we grow fearful of what might happen when we forget the Father is in the forgiveness business. And when that happens, we don't let faith rule our life, we let fear rule our life. We lose our real intimacy. You see, I think we've got to cultivate this acceptance of others regardless of our performance. I mean, the challenge I think most of us have is, isn't it easier to compare yourself against somebody else? I mean, isn't that that much easier? I mean, let's face it, you know, I I look down here at old Terry Mulligan, you know, and I think, well, Terry, good, of course I'm better than Terry. I mean, good, look at him. I mean, it's, it's Terry Mulligan, for goodness sake. But, you know, here's the problem. God says, Chuck, I don't need you to compare yourself against Terry. I need you to compare yourself against my holiness, I need you to compare yourself against what I expect of you. I need you not to conquer fear for Terry. I need you to let me conquer fear in your life. And so what happens is we like to compare our world against everybody else's world when God says, wait a minute, I gave you the spirit of power. I gave you the spirit of love, and I gave you the spirit of self-control so that you could replace your fear with my presence. I could replace your fear with my power. I could replace your fear with my ability to give you a brand new life. And you see, when we stop comparing ourselves against everybody else, we'll realize that here we are in an imperfect world, comparing ourselves to a holy, perfect God and recognize apart from God sending his son, Jesus to die for us, live a sinless life, pay the price that we deserve for all of our sin, shed his blood, die on a cross, be buried three days later. And in the world, when they were filled with fear on what do we do now, Jesus stood up off of that cold tomb on the third day and he blew, that rock away and walked out of there and conquered death and conquered Satan and conquered sin, that we might have life more abundantly today and we might have it eternally forever. And there is no reason to fear for he has given us faith. But you see, you get to pick. You get to choose. Am I going to choose fear, or am I going to choose faith? Am I going to choose fear, or am I going to choose intimacy with the Father? But there's also a loss of availability. The grip of fear that it has on us can cloud our vision. Did you know that a dense fog covering a seven-city block area to the depths of 100 feet, did you know that you can contain all of that fog that causes clarity into one eight-ounce drinking glass? That's all it takes one eight-ounce of drinking glass turns into seven city blocks of a 100-foot depth of fog where you literally can't see your hand in front of your face. All that fog, all condensed into water, one drinking glass. You say, well, Chuck, what, I, don't, I don't get it. How do you connect those two? Well, just like the fog, our fears and our worries block our vision of the light of God's promises. All of that, we forget that God promised us his son, promised us eternal life, promised us that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us. All of that happens and we're blocked. And but the fact is there's little substance to the fear, just like there's little substance to the fog, but it's all what we make of it, isn't it? It's all what we make of it. It's all what we decide in our minds. So you say, well, Chuck, how do I break free of the grip of fear? Well, it's really simple. Number one, plug into God's power. Instead of trusting your power, trust his. I didn't give you the spirit of fear. He says, I gave you power. Determine to grow a positive and active faith. Faith can be described in two words, security and confidence. Faith is believing in God's character. Believe he is who he says he is. It's found in God's power. Believe he can do what he says he will do. And believe his promises. Believe what he says when he says it. I was so blessed a few weeks ago when I was preaching and I mentioned to the group and said, if we don't know what to do, why don't you this week start reading the Gospel of John? And my, uh, my daughter's fiance, he sent me a text later that night. He said, I really want to be a man of God. I really want to grow up in Christ. I really want to be the kind of husband that God will be proud of. And can you help me with this And this reading through the gospel of John? I've never really done that before. And he'd grown up in church all his life. And here's a kid that loves Jesus. Here's a guy who loves my daughter. And here's a little boy that's trying to say as he's growing into manhood, trying to say, I want to count for something. And I said, why don't you do this? You read a gospel? of John. You read a chapter of the gospel of John every day and then send me a text and tell me what did Jesus say he was and what are you going to do about it? And every day this week, I've gotten a text before 8 a.m. that says, here's what the gospel said to me today and here's what I'm going to do about it. Will you pray for me? And I thought, now he got it. You see, he's rising above fear and he's choosing faith. He's rising above fear and he's choosing the father. He's rising above fear and he's choosing to plug into God's power. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, if I just stop right there, that would be good. The riches of his glory, meaning God owns everything. God has everything. God gave us everything. All good things come from the Father. According to those riches, which are all things, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, meaning in the depths of your soul, you are powerful. In the depths of your soul, you have love. In the depths of your soul, you have self-control. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge more than you'll ever know, more than you'll ever learn, more than you'll understand. Here's what he's saying. Jesus, through the power of the risen Christ, he will give you more than you could ever imagine. Here, Here's a great truth. If you'll trust him with your faith, then he will never leave you where you are and he'll give you more than you can stand. But that's up to you. You want the best that God has for you? You want power, you want love, you want self-control, you want to be able to conquer this bad relationship, you want to overcome a bad marriage, you want to overcome your kids driving you crazy, you want to overcome having a new job, you want to overcome being able to dig out of debt, you want to overcome this addiction you're fighting with, then it really boils down to this. Do you have faith instead of fear? Do you let the Father take his rightful part in your life rather than trying to live in fear? Plug into God's power. Secondly, love and be loved. First John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Do you see what God is saying? God's saying is, if you'll let your fear go and replace it with my faith, my presence, you can overcome this. You remember what the Bible says, the Bible says for God is love. You're looking for a definition of love, God is love. And you know what the scripture is saying here? There's no fear in love. There's no fear in God. For he didn't give you that spirit, he gave you the spirit of strength and love and self-control, and whoever has fears has not been perfected in love. You know what that tells me? That means at some point you haven't decided to give your life to Christ. At some time you didn't have the courage to do what those little boys and girls did today and say, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord. Yes, I want to follow him and believer's baptism. Yes, I want to walk with Christ. Plug into God's power, love, and be loved. And then finally, learn to get disciplined. Learn to get disciplined. You know, this, this is the hard one for me, I mean, it really is. I find it easy to pray. I find it easy to read my Bible. I find it easy to share my faith. I've, those things come easy to me. You know what I'm finding hard to do? I, I, I find it hard to put the fork down and push away from the plate. But you know what we're saying is get disciplined. Get disciplined. Get disciplined. self control disciplined. Learn to feel your pulse, not your muscle. Stop living by your emotions and start living by faith. Start, oh, stop overreacting to whatever somebody did and trust In the power of Christ. I mean, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know what Jesus said? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, many of us grew up in a faith that it read like this. Hey, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, for goodness sake. But that's not how Jesus said it. Jesus said, you know what? If you love me, you'll find it pretty easy to obey me. If you love me, you'll find it easy to follow me. If you love me, you'll find it easy to have faith in me. If you love me, you'll find it easy to follow the Father. If you you love me, you'll find it easy to face your fear. So the question is, do you love him? Each one of those little boys and girls, as I talked to them back behind the stage before that baptism, I'd talk to them and I'd say, why are we getting baptized? And everyone would talk about how Jesus is Lord and talk about how he's the boss of their life and how they want to live for Christ. They didn't have any problem with it. You know why? Because they faced their fear and they followed the Father. What about you? I mean, you say, well, Chuck, I I get all that, but but what can I trust you in it? And here's what I'd say to you. Never trust a preacher. Always trust what he preaches. See, it's not about me. So you gotta, you you need to go back and dig into the word and have your own answer. It's not my answer for you. You see, I believe if I don't preach exactly what comes straight out of God's word, I'm no good to you. I don't need to preach to you somebody's book. I don't need to preach to you my my opinions. I don't need to preach to you or share with you or teach to you what my thoughts are. You know what I want to do? I want to teach you exactly what God's Word has to say. And you want to know why? Because 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all Scripture, all the Bible from Genesis to Maps, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and listen to this, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in what? in righteousness, in the goodness of God, in being more Christ-like, that's what it is, that the man of God, that y'all might be complete and equipped for every good work, that you might face your fears, that you might do it with faith, and you might live for the Father. Remember, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you strength and love and self-control. Well, why? Because God knew you'd need all three to overcome your fears. Nowhere in God's word do we find our call to cower in fear or circumstances, but to rise above them in his faith. Not in our own strength, not in our own human love, not in our own simple fortitude, but to rise above this life, its it's mediocrity and its circumstances and his love, his love, his control. Well, Chuck, how do I do that? Well, here you go. You ready? If you checked out, come right back. Here's how you do it. Number one, you recognize you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. And here's what you say. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. You know you can't conquer fear on your own. You conquer it through calling on the name of the Lord. You can't allow the Father to reign on your heart. You can't allow him to give you direction. You can't allow him to give you victory until your first thing you do. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. You Say, well, Chuck, I, I don't really know what that means. Well, the Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Now, save sounds like such an old term, doesn't it? But you know, it's a powerful term. It means this, Lord, I need you. I need you today to give me life more abundantly, and I need you in eternity that I might live with you forever. That's how you face your fear. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Would you stand with me as we offer up this prayer of worship? Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. If today you want to say, Chuck, I want to be baptized. I I want Jesus to be my Lord. Then it's really simple. I'm not even going to bring you up front. You can just go walk out right out that, that door. You'll see Miss Beth over there in a blue BBS shirt. You can just see her say, I want to do that. And I promise you, we wouldn't embarrass you for the world, but we'll help you everywhere we can. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you.